Hello, encouragers, and welcome to the show. The topic I want to talk about today is discouragement, this unseen battle, and how to win it. So I know it seems like, the, oh my gosh, how's Kaylin going to cover this in a short amount of time? And I can just tell you there won't just be one episode on this for sure. We'll have to do, we'll have to do a lot, but we all have the days where it feels like the world is literally pressing down on us and moments where we feel beaten and broken and ready to throw in the towel and times when we literally wonder, why is this happening to me? Do you guys ever have those days? I know I do every other day. But today I want to talk to you about about discouragement and how to overcome it, how to win this battle. And what's crazy about discouragement is it's so isolating. And when we get discouraged around something, whether it's our marriage, our kids, our job, our thought life, our personal health, our bodies, our relationships, our family, we bottle this thing up and we get in isolation with the thoughts of discouragement and it's hard to get out. And I'm going to share some very personal stories today about a couple of times that I was stuck in discouragement and how I got out of it and how I dealt with it. I'm a little nervous. I'm like super nervous to share these stories. I've never even told anyone this. I think my husband knows and that's about it. The scary thing about discouragement when we talk about it is we get stuck here in discouragement mode and it's dangerous for us to be stuck here. When we're discouraged, we evolve into something that's not us and we become moodier. We're less kind. We start dragging others back. We start dragging people down with us and we don't mean to, but it's honestly like we get stuck in quicksand. We get stuck in this quicksand and we're just sinking and we're just trying to grab on to anything that we can to survive and to try to get ourselves out of it. And this could mean like we start reaching out for things like alcohol or drugs or food or attention from men or control over our kids because we're out of control and picking fights with our spouse. And we honestly are stuck here and we're trying to get out and we're trying to grab onto something or like causing commotion in all these other places because we're just trying to feel something at this point. We're literally just trying to have that emotional reaction in all these places and it's dangerous. It's super dangerous to be stuck here. For a while, I felt like I just lived here. Several seasons of my life, I felt like I just lived in discouragement. It was just this constant cloud over me that I just, I couldn't get the sun to come out. <laughs> and it's funny now looking at me and even through the years, for some of you that have been following me for a while, you might've never known that I was in a season of discouragement because I had to have sunny days for everyone else. But I went through long seasons of discouragement, even when everyone else thought everything was fine and perfect and all is dandy and all is well. I'm in the major heat of discouragement and honestly despair. And so we mask it up really well. We hide it really well. And for some of us, we even hide it from ourselves. And we go through this season of discouragement and we try to put on a face so much. We put on a mask so much that we think that's our real life. <laughs> we think that it's reality and it's not. And so we never stop and look at what is making me discouraged. Why am I discouraged? Why am I feeling this way? What's making me react this way? And so it takes some like peeling back of the layers. I know everyone says, oh, we're like an onion. You peel back a bunch of layers and each layer there's something new. But I'm talking like I was a freaking tough onion man. The skin on my onion was like tough as nails. Legit. I 
I was not the person of like introspection. I was not the person of, I want to talk about how I'm feeling. I hate that. I can't stand it. You can ask my friends. I'm not. If you look at me on the personality test, I have very low feelings. <laughs> on the Myers-Briggs, my F for feeling is like zero. I think it's a two. Okay. So I've never been the feeler type that like wants to talk about my emotions. Wants to talk about my feelings. Not that there's anything wrong with wanting to do that or not wanting to do that. It's just not my personality. That's not where I go naturally. So there's a lot of really thick onion layers to peel back when I was going through some of this stuff. And some of it was just being young and immature. Some of it was being too proud. And some of it was just so disheartening and so discouraging. I just didn't want to share it with anyone. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into that day. I'm gonna share something super personal that I've never told anyone but my husband in, in hopes that you can see that you're not the only one that gets in these discouragement seasons. And that you can get out. The sun can come out. You just have to decide that you are going to shoo away the clouds personally yourself. Because you can walk around in this cloud of discouragement all the time. But if you don't do anything to break up the clouds ever, how are you giving the, the sun an opportunity to shine in your life? But a big, just diving in here. I'm so nervous, you guys. My heart is racing right now. I'm about to tell this story. Oh, my God. I've never told this story anywhere. Not even to my friends. Like I said, this podcast is going to be shocking to a lot of people, but here we go. That's why I didn't want to do it. Big wave of discouragement for me, probably one of the rock bottoms for me for sure was after I had my first daughter. So this would have been about four years ago. You know, what's funny is I never really wanted to have kids for the only reason being like selfishness. There was no fluffy feel good reason behind it. I legit was just like, I want to do whatever I want when I want. And so I, I never wanted to have kids really until I married my husband. And then all of a sudden I was like, I want to have babies with him. I, I want to have babies with this guy. I wonder what kind of offspring we'd make. Like it would be so cool. And so after I got married, that kind of perspective changed for me. But I never really wanted to have kids. I never held other people's children. I have never changed another baby's diaper. Still to this day, I think I've maybe changed like one other kid's diaper besides my own to this day. I still sometimes joke around saying I never liked kids. I was never the hen type. And then I have my own kids and I like my kids, but I still don't like other people's kids. I joke around and say that all the time, but it's 98% true. <laughs> 98% true. Legit. Because I just, I don't know. I've just, I've never, I never was a hen. I never was like the, oh, a baby. I was never fascinated by them. I wanted nothing to do with them. And definitely don't hate me your baby because I'll probably legit when my niece was born. And she was like the first baby I held. My niece was born and she was the first baby I held. And she, I was holding her in my arms and she like gagged. And I legit almost threw her on the floor because I didn't even know what to do with her. <laughs> I almost threw my own niece on the floor. A newborn baby, I don't know, two days old, almost threw her on the floor because that's how much I didn't know what to do with children. <laughs> and when I had my first, I had an emergency C-section with her. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed without the help of a cane. I had a leopard print cane that Brandon had to go buy me at CVS just for me to be able to get up out of the bed because I don't like people having to help me with everything. I know, I know. It's one of my traits. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've become a lot better for sure. But I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. To just sit down to go pee on the toilet was like the hardest thing I did all day. It was just excruciatingly hard. And having an emergency C-section with her was a own, its own tough ordeal. 
and I was working five days after I came home doing live videos in my kitchen, creating content. It was January 2nd when I had the baby. And so when I got home, like it's weight loss season in January and we have a weight loss business. I had to get to work. You know what I mean? Nothing, people, nothing was going to wait on me to have time with this baby. So I was working, doing videos, making content. I, and then I was up all night. I was breastfeeding around the clock. I was taking care of this baby. I've never even held a baby. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no training for this, not even babysitting. I never even babysat when I was younger because I didn't like kids. And um, while all this was going on, I was so overwhelmed. I was so deprived on sleep. I was so out of my element. None of this felt natural to me at all. And I remember I legit was at the end of myself and I, uh, this is where like the personal part starts, but, and I'm nervous to share this, but I legit started just drinking during the day. Like I drink a whole bottle of wine before 4 PM and I was so discouraged at this point that I'm literally planning like pumping and dumping for my day in the schedule so I can drink and get drunk and numb and I'm literally planning days around it. that's how strategic it became and because I just felt like I couldn't escape it I felt like there was too much going on all the expectations of me to be full-time working leading a business leading a community being the model this is how you do it you just you grind you get it done no matter what I'm trying to provide and at the same time I'm balancing this independent me that I just three days ago before I had this baby this independent self that I had and then this mother self that I'm evolving into right whether I like it or not evolving into and it was a super hard struggle for me because I have goals I have things I want to get done there's things I need to do and at the same time there's also that on the flip side with the child of there's things I there's things I have to get done with the baby right I have to feed a baby I have to clothe the baby I have to protect the baby I have to make sure the baby sleeps like all of these things and so I remember I started drinking during the day I'm drinking a whole bottle of wine before 4 p.m and I would hide out in the basement and outside or even in the baby's room and I would hide it in different cups my husband didn't know because I was just so discouraged I felt like it, it was an escape for me it was the only way that I could emotionally get myself out of the state of so much discouragement was get drunk in the middle of the day with holding a baby that's what I did and at this point I'm about I don't know three months in to this lifestyle of drinking during the day and hiding it and no one knowing and keeping this secret and living these two different lives but honestly, you guys, it felt like it was the only thing I could do. It felt like it was the only thing that where I had control, if that makes sense. Being out of control was the only control I had. And I know it doesn't make sense in words, but it made sense in my head. And it made sense in the reaction to drinking all the time. And at this point, I was three months and I'm in full postpartum depression. But I was too proud to tell anyone. I was too afraid that it was make me look weak. I was too afraid that it would make me look damaged. It was I was too afraid of the backlash and misunderstanding and just people not getting it. If you haven't been through it, it's hard to understand. And so I just felt like I was alone and I was isolated and that I couldn't even talk to my husband about it because I would look weak in front of him and I would look like I didn't want people worrying about me or sending me off somewhere, right? <laughs> You're sending me off somewhere and there was so much fear that 
was created in my mind by not talking to someone about it that it just became worse and worse and worse and I didn't really have thoughts about harming the baby but I did think about harming myself a lot like very frequently like every day like on the daily and that's one of the things getting drunk I felt like drinking during the day kept me out of those thoughts. I was happier. I felt like I had a higher stress tolerance. I could do more. I know for a lot of people, alcohol is a downer for them. It makes them emotional. It's like downer or cryy or, you know, more fragile. For me, it's the opposite. It's like I kick into like high gear. I can drink and go into 10% of people can do this where they can, the more drinks they have, the higher operating they are. And I don't know if it's because alcoholism runs my family, but that's just how I am. And so I would drink to get away from those thoughts, away from the self-harm, away from this is how I do it. This is what would happen. And I remember one day I was just drunk enough to tell my husband that I thought I didn't want to be here anymore. Legit. I was like, I just, I don't think I can do this. And I want to tell you, I'm having all these thoughts that I just don't think I want to be here anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I keep having all these awful thoughts. And then my mind would validate the thoughts. My my mind would validate the like self-harm with, if you just do it now, that'll be best because she doesn't even know you yet. So it won't hurt her because she won't even remember you. Like how selfish are these thoughts, right? Now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, how selfish would that have been of me? But I knew it wasn't me. That's not who I am on the inside. That's not how I operate. That's not how I think. And I knew that, but couldn't stop these thoughts from being in my head. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't stop them from being there. But I knew it wasn't me. So I knew it was I'm. Um, something's happening inside my body inside my head that I just I can't get past this I'm literally stuck here and I'm tired of being stuck here and that so that's why I was drinking and so when I told my husband all this you know what he did you know what he did he literally prayed over me and he told me you need to get in the word he was like you need to read the bible you need to go find out what God says about you and you need to combat these thoughts that you're having with the word of God and I was like oh of course. And then, and you know me, it's once you tell me, once you tell me something to do, I'm absolutely not going to do it. And I was just like, of course, that's what you'd say. It's so easy for you to say. It's got to be that simple. It's got to be, I'm dealing with a real life issue over here. And you're telling me like, you're praying over me and tell me to go read. I just, I didn't feel heard and validated. And I was angry and I was mad and I was upset. And, and he told me, he said, this is an attack from the enemy. These aren't your thoughts. And they're definitely not God's thoughts about you. And isn't this exactly what the enemy would want? And I'm like, is this exactly what the enemy would want? Having one less woman of God that's raising up women, right? Yeah, check. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Being a woman that has an anointing to encourage other women. Yeah, check. The enemy definitely wants that. That's going to raise up powerful women of God to take back enemy territory in my home. My two children, my two girls who are now avid prayer warriors, my four-year-old especially, my two-year-old tries, a four-year-old especially. Yes, check. The enemy definitely doesn't want that. Isn't that exactly what he would want? And so then I had the realization in that moment, I literally saw all of those thoughts like separate in my mind. I stopped seeing them as thoughts I was having. I started seeing them for what they were, which is an enemy attack in my mind and enemy whispers and nudges and pushes. And if you guys have ever seen that movie Push, right? It's like, that's exactly how I felt. It's just one thing at a time, just nudging me closer to the edge and closer to the edge and closer to the edge, right? And <clears throat> and ever since then, they've 
never struggled with those thoughts anymore because I'll forever know in my mind, I will forever know that they aren't mine. Those thoughts aren't mine. They don't belong to me. I literally put my hand to my head. If you can see me on video right now, I literally put my hand to my head. When I have a thought like that, when I have something that comes against me in my mind is telling me I'm something that I'm not or that God doesn't say about me, I literally put my hand to my mind and I throw the thought down. I put it to my temple and I throw the thought down and I literally say, I rebuke that thought in Jesus name. I have a mind of Christ. Holy Spirit, fill my mind with your thoughts about me and cast out any thoughts of the enemy. I literally say that every time I've been practicing this for years, literally for four years since this time where I was at the end of myself, literally, and I cast those thoughts down now and I've been able to separate in my mind. So when you have those thoughts come in, when you have those things come into your mind, you need to recognize it for what it is. And that's an enemy attacking your mind. It's whispers from the enemy. And you need to say, you know what? Is that what God says? Is that actually from myself? No, that's not from God. So if it's not from God, who's it from? And so you have to practice casting those thoughts out. And so for me, I really feel like that process over and over and over and over again has literally changed the thought patterns in my head. I've coached women for a long time. We had 750,000 customers and women and across all my content and channels and, and stuff and everyone's always like, how do you get your mindset right? Oh, it's all about the mindset. It's all about the mindset. And I'm just in my head, I never really knew the answer until I was like writing out a couple thoughts for this episode. And I that's absolutely what has done it like that doing that process over and over again, has built up so much protection in my mind against those thoughts, that as soon as one of them pops into my head, it's a red flag. I know I know who it's from. I know it's not mine. I know it's not God's and I'm like, get rid of that thought right now. I don't fester on it. I don't sit on it. I don't let it stay in my head. And so that's just something to put in practice. So maybe you're someone that's struggling with discouragement in this way. And maybe it's not self-harming thoughts, but it's just simply really discouraging. Non-life-giving thoughts. You got to put this into practice. There's never a negative thought that I have that I do not do this, that I don't do this every single time. And then it's, and then it's your mind starts doing it for you, right? The, ver the verse in the book of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let, I just want you to let that sink in for a minute. The literal creator of the universe is promising to strengthen us, right? Promising it. So you got to stop trying to do it alone. Because that's what the enemy wants. If he can get you isolated in your thoughts, he's got you right where he wants you. He's got you right where he wants you because isolation is so dangerous. So what do I mean by isolated thoughts, right? Isolated thoughts is when it's just you in your mind. Like when you've grieved the Holy Spirit or like you haven't invited him in or you haven't allowed him to be present in your thought life because the Holy Spirit will combat every thought of the enemy for you. So my mind, it goes like this, it flows this way in my mind. And so this is a template for you. If you've never practiced this before, I'll hear in my head, you're a terrible mom. You aren't loving or caring. You're impatient. You lack empathy, right? Which are all like things that I struggle with and that I purpose to work really hard at is showing love, being caring to them, being patient, having empathy, having compassion for my kids. And, and the enemy knows that about me, right? He knows that those are areas that I'm working on. So I will hear a thought like that in my head. 
and you're a table mom you aren't loving or caring you're impatient you lack empathy your children will never love you when they have a right to choose like when they have when they're older and they have a right to choose to be around like they're going to choose to not be around you that's what the enemy tells me that's how he comes to me and you know, then I'll cast that thought down. I'll say I rebuke that thought in Jesus name. And like in my mind, the Holy Spirit will literally recall scripture or give me promises to stand on. And he'll remind me of who I really am and what God says about me. So I'll hear this like in my head, I'll recall this in my head. And if you're not someone that reads scripture yet, I would say you got to go read it for yourself. I was an atheist and (laughs) for a long time, maybe I'll tell that story on a different episode. But when you actually get in the word and just look up, what does God say about me? What does God say about my identity? And just start there. Start with promise statements over yourself, identity statements over yourself. It's such a powerful place to start. And that's that's what I did at this point in my life. I was starting over. And so I'll hear this in my head. I'll say it out loud. I'm like, God, you said in your word. Like start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. You said that. And you said that whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children will be careful to discipline them. So I'm standing in faith that your word is the truth. And so thank you for giving me patience. Thank you for giving me the empathy and knitting me out of your love and kindness so that I can extend it to my children. That's what I say instead. That's now what comes out of my mouth. And that's the thoughts I'm having in my head instead of sitting in, you don't, you're not, you don't loving enough. You're not compassionate enough. You're impatient. You lack empathy. Instead of hearing all those things and believing it and letting that fester in my mind, This is what I hear and say and said. And it's so powerful to have those statements to call on because it's this is what God says about me versus this is what the enemy is saying in my mind. And the most recent discouragement that I've gone through is actually a very long season and it's very recent to me. I'm just, I've just come out of it (laughs) within the last three months for actually the last year or more, maybe 18 months, two years now when I knew God was calling us out of our business. And this one, I feel one was very personal, emotionally, internally. And then this discouragement, this season of discouragement happened very publicly. It was very public. It hurt very deeply. It was very hard. And it took a lot for me to be able to get through it. So I'm going to break this down in part two of this discouragement episode so you can continue on to part two now for this story in my second season of discouragement i think people are going to hear my view for maybe the first time and what i've been battling for the last year and why it's taken me a year to start and do this podcast this thing that i've known god has been calling me to do just because i was in such a season of discouragement that i couldn't get my head out of the sand And I'm excited to share that story and tell you how I've grown in the last year. And I'm continuing to figure things out as I go. And so I'm going to continue that in part two of this discouragement episode. Before we go, I'm going to make sure to pray over you ladies, get you prayed up. And before I do that, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. I am a mom. I'm a busy mom. Okay. And even if you're not a mom, you're busy too. We are busy women. We got a lot going on. And so I can't promise that episodes are going to drop consistently on specific days. Like I'm going to try to get them out as soon as I can get them out when I can get them out on a weekly basis. So make sure you subscribe so you're notified when new episodes drop. All right. Because that could be 
at 9 p.m. one night after my kids go to bed or it could be six o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I'm just trying to do it as I go. So appreciate that. Subscribe so you get notified when the podcast drops. And my show, the show is actually also on YouTube. So if you're a visual person and I'm very handsy, I'm very loud. I love the camera. I love interacting. So if you like watching them, make sure to go find me on YouTube just under the Encourage Her, the Encourager with the H-E-R, Kaylin Pullen. So you can find me there and watch the full episodes. All right. Leave me a five-star review. Tell me where did you find encouragement out of this episode today? Or where are you feeling discouragement right now? I'd love to talk about those topics in upcoming episodes, but I read every comment. So let me know what encouraged you about this podcast today, about the things that I shared. I opened my heart to you guys of things that I've never told anyone. And I really hope you just give me some love because... I'm, I feel like I have a hangover now from sharing all of that. But leave me a five-star review. It helps with all the algorithms, this podcast getting viewed. So I appreciate that so much. And so with that, I'm going to close us out. Make sure to watch, listen to the rest of this episode, part two of discouragement. Uh, it'll be episode three that you can follow this up with right now. I just thank you, God, so much for these women listening. I thank you so much for them, Lord. And this cloud of discouragement that's been over them or things that they're experiencing or feeling in their lives, I just thank you for them to go from black and white vision today to 4K, for them to be able to see in color again, for them to be able to see love, see joy, see compassion, see happiness everywhere they go instead of seeing discouragement and seeing how they're not enough and measuring themselves up against other women and other families and other moms and other wives and and instead of them seeing that Lord we just pray that they look in the mirror today and they see themselves as you see them which is perfect in your image and we thank you for these women we thank you for them and we just cast out any discouragement that's hindering them from their purpose that's hindering them from the path that you've laid out for them we cast that out right now in Jesus name and we thank you for this time together we thank you for this fellowship amongst women we thank you for our sisterhood we thank you that we are rising up together and we thank you for these honest conversations and we thank you holy spirit for coming into our minds and discerning our thoughts helping us discern our thoughts for us that we would know what's from you and what's from the enemy and that we can separate them simply in our mind we thank you holy spirit to just give us scripture give us what god says about us put those words and those statements and those promises in our mind in the forefront of our mind where we can stand on those instead of what the enemy has for us God we want what you have for us and we thank you for that in Jesus name amen all right awesome ladies I'll see you on the next one for part two love you bye